race clock. I declare bankruptcy. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Twenty wigger and slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. Welcome to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. I am Jay Ray. With me, my desk mate. How's, how's it doing, everybody? <laughs> We're, uh, it's the last one. Yeah. It is it's crazy. Kind of crazy. Yep. So I did the math. So we've been doing this show for 3.49 or 1,000. 274 days or 30,576 hours, 1,834,000 minutes at 110 million. So there you go. There you go. Three and a half years of our lives down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to get into our experience about doing the pod till after the episode, but yeah, it was, it was a interesting thing to do. Uh, you know, to look at this thing that we were already watching all the freaking time anyways, but then to turn it into this like weird academic <laughs> experiment, you know? Yeah, for sure. And like, we really didn't know each other when this thing started. We're like friends now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, it, well, that's the thing, right? It's like, we barely knew each other. I've gotten married yeah. and bought a house and got a dog. Like, that's my version of like getting a baby uh, all through the time of this podcast too. So I was living with Jim and Pam. Yeah. yeah yeah well we had just we had just moved into this house we started but yeah i got guinea pig cats dealing with concussion and some other bad stuff yeah all the a drama from the, the jacob Engels podcast that came yeah. out that <laughs> exposing the secrets of your life <laughs> plus like you've moved into like four different rooms there was a green screen at one time yeah the green screen yeah just, uh just been it's been a crazy you know and it's funny again not to talk too much about the episode before we get there but there's something about being able to listen to all friggin 80 90 of these episodes that we've done to like listen to like young spry three and a half year younger jay ray she probably had so much hope <laughs> i didn't think how soul crushing this all would be yeah yeah Anyways. it's not been soul crushing it's been fun yeah no it has been fun uh i'm sick for the folks listening at home i'm not getting him okay i'm yeah. too manly uh, before we forget uh we are a member of the broken jars broadcasting family of podcasts like check us out broken jars xyz patreon.com forward slash broken jars hang out you know we have uh broken jars broadcasting.com that's that but yeah i haven't gone back to like the early episodes oh yeah i'm certain of it i, I think i'm gonna give myself a little bit of time but i think in the next few months i might want to listen to our catalog here to just go through it Oh, you're brave. I don't I know. know if I have. I, I'm. This is episode 75. I don't know okay. if I have 75. Eh, that's a well over 100 hours of audio. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm a little vain. You know, I like to. I like to be the center of attention. People get into my car, like, oh, what are you listening to? I'm like, ah, oh, it's me, just talking about the office. You know, it's cool. Uh, we are going to have a special ranking of season, other things uh, after talk about. So yeah. stick with that or jump to that whenever it is yes <laughs> if, if you don't care about listening 
It's crazy. It's like, what have you been <laughs> listening to all these episodes for, if not the finale? Right. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm not entirely sure how to like, easily talk about this for an hour or like 15. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like maybe we just kind of go, go through the episode, yeah. you know, without too much analysis till we get to the end. Right. So, it, we, okay. First off, season nine, episode 23 finale, directed by Ken Quapis and written by Greg. Which I just read were the writer and director of the pilot. Nice. Right, that's what I, book I was pretty sure. That, yeah. Well, and they did, they t- ended up doing like one, at least one episode. A, a I think so. Because well, Greg Daniels was the original showrunner and the guy, you know, he had to come back to put it out of its misery or whatever. <laughs> so we have a time jump, a year in the future. Uh, we, we see Dwight, he's talking about everything that's been going on. He's driving a... Yep. Which I wouldn't think he changed. Like, did his old car die? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's part of what we've been seeing with Dwight, that he's, like, accepting his life at that it's a good life, you know? So, like, when he was good about not getting the manager job, and then he got it. Right. And then at that same time, he's going to, in this relationship with Angela, so I feel like... He's like, it's okay. Well, and I think some of it's just like he's willing to change. Like, oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's a much better person at the end of the show than he was at the start. Right. Uh, so, like, PBS <laughs> is there, you know, getting footage. I know. They say it, right? We hear them say it. Right. Yeah. Because, yes, like, why are, they here? why are you here? Like, oh, you know, PBS is some, some, ter- basically, like, a left wing, like, yeah, yeah. misinformation in <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so, so after this little introduction, we kind of go through where everybody is now. Right. Kevin and Toby got fired. Yeah. Through some weird cake giving ceremony. Yeah. Because Dwight had three cakes and he had a plan for two of them. Or did he have a plan for all three and had to skip his plan for the third cake to fire Toby? Uh, I don't know. I well, one of the one of the cakes was for Stanley, right? Right, for his retiring, retiring yeah, for Dwight uh, or Kevin, Kevin and Toby. Or I don't well, get, I, I wonder how. Well, I guess because it is Wallace's company, pretty much about. Well, well that's the thing. Yeah, uh, because is does it Toby work for corporate? Yeah, but corporate it's different now, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, is the structure different now that HR reps are? Branch specific, right? Yeah, and you know, according to Dwight, he's had a great year. He's got the certain white pages back. Has consolidated. Yep. So, so they're doing better than ever, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, and with his uh, Mustang or whatever that he's driving, Charger, yeah. he, uh, yeah, he obviously is doing well financially because of that. Uh, Stanley let's see. retires. Yep. Right. Oh yeah. Or just. Yep. <laughs> Where he's like he whittles birds. Right. No idea. What- Oh, I, it's my. It, sounds like it's by the in the panhandle. It is not. Oh, it is. If if you were to think of like the very southern, like basically as far south as you can get from Miami, and still maybe. Okay, but that's he, weird. But he is right on the uh, the Everglades. Yeah, that's what he mentions. But yeah, yeah. it's thirty miles to Key Largo. If that had, if you- Listen, I'm in, I'm from Jersey. Basically, if it's not in Jersey, it barely exists. I thought like moving it's like to a, Miami was moving to Florida within y'all's DNA. Like you had this innate sense of everything. Well, you know, some of them go and they're traitors. <laughs> the real Jersey folk die here. <laughs> not, you know, a vaccinal cause. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, too much air. Yeah, right. You know, whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, I almost started cursing, dude. I'm trying to <laughs> keep it PG here. 
Jib shows up. He's riding a bike. His hair's a quaffing around. He's he's feeling great. He bikes to work because it's better for the environment and it's healthier for him. You're right. It's a vasectomy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We see a lot of stuff in this that, like, you know, uh, early Dwight never would have done, like, doing the Japanese practice of, like, morning calisthenics and some, like, tai chi or something. Yeah. Like, I feel like he would take all of, like, the capital punishment traditions of various cultures but it never like a something that would benefit his employees his health you know but yeah he's learned the value of that right and it kind of plays into you know do i at the very end they ask me uh-huh. and he goes through the whole thing about how this man and pam is his best friend and all this other stuff about different and it's just like he learned that they were more than he, he wouldn't stop looking down on them right right yeah yes they're the, his subordinates but his relationship teacher them is like important. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, they, oh yeah. So yeah. So yeah, Angela kisses him, and you know he, he, she keeps talking about the wedding. He brings up like, oh, don't forget to get oh, the only the other person there. She says yeah, the only the fermenting. Like, we only need the only two people that need to be there is us. He's like, give him some name about uh like you know some title like he's been fermenting the cheese since i was right right and he has to be there and she like you know it's interesting because this is not the first time we've seen angela plan a wedding so you know when andy was proposing anything that was almost ridiculous she'd like roll her eyes so hard it looked like it'd fall out her ears so this is essentially that but she's so happy and she's so in love she's like how could i forget like you know she's trying to be as sincere it's an interesting change to see because we haven't seen all of them playing multiple weddings, you know? Right. And yeah. Um, Creed has faked his own death. Which only Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So he's this long bearded bald man. I mean, not, you know, whatever. Probably he just, that's his real beard. I feel like. Right. Probably. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. He, you know, this is sort of the tie in to, uh, you know, Creed life. How he, you know, he talked about him being a member of the group, which he was. Right, right. You know, and how he did sold drugs, which he probably did. Then there was well, other yeah. stuff like stealing weapons grade LSD. Yeah. Well, that's what's funny, right? It's like these are crimes of the past. You know, it's not like he had just run over somebody. He was being hunted, which he also seemed maybe prone to do. Right. Well, I, I just kind of wonder if like maybe like. Well, one, it, it seems like the statute of limitations would have run out on most of it. That's, that sounds like a, a, an accurate thing to say. But it may be also one of those things where once the cops knew who and where he was, they started looking into him and found all the other illegal shit that he's yeah, done. Yeah, well, because we're also supposed to know that he has uh, changed identities a couple times. Right. And there's an allusion to people whose names were actually people he murdered or killed for that information. It's like, I'm a real person. You can see my soul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, so there's that. Uh, they br- are bringing Daryl back. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, Darren. Darren, yeah. yeah. From season one, two. Season two, two. The first Halloween episode. Yeah, the first guy to get fired because of the downsizing. Right. Oh, really God. the only guy to yeah, well, I guess you can consider the merger. Yeah, but those guys quit. Well, yeah, everybody left. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Nobody got. Well, I, yeah. Well, some people came to screen, so I guess you could say the people 
the people in um, Stanford, Stanford who yeah. didn't come, right? Because you know they don't need the HR two HR people. It's going to be so, yeah. They probably yeah. But I, when I said that, I meant just yeah, right. And their particular sense of doom for that stuff, right? Anyway, he's back, and uh, Dwight says he's liked him. He used to, you know, he liked them in the day, right? Uh, we learn that uh, Phyllis is trying to fatten up her new deskmate who sits yeah. where Stan used to sit. Right. He played. Uh, he played one of the guys in Better Off Ted. Which if you haven't seen that show, it's it's one of those shows that got killed. Wing, but it's really. I only watched the first episode and kind of recently. Uh, oh, should I, I should keep going. Yeah, it's great. It's okay. Well, I don't like it's... authority figures telling me what to do, James. <laughs> you ask. I'm not telling you. I'm just giving you the information. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, no, he was funny though. That. Uh, so there's that. Uh, oh yeah, we learned that Jim is the best midge. Uh, so Dwight is interrupting this uh, best man bachelor party meeting that Jim is holding by letting everybody know that he doesn't need, unlike portrayed in popular media, like the, the murder mysteries that often happen at bachelor parties. He's like, I don't need it. Is that a thing? Uh, never heard of it. Oh, fudge. What's that movie with a uh, Christian Slater? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's going to, sorry, I'm going to have to get real Right. Quick, uh, it, you know, Daryl shows up and he's in a limo because he's doing real well with athlete. Uh, find out that Andy went viral as Baby Wawa, which yeah, which is a great name. Does come out with some great like spoof video, and I do love like the entire episode. They're making they're they're like subtly they're making fun of the fact a lot of these people go viral don't ever make enough of it. Right. Right. <laughs> like, everyone knows who he is, but he's uh, just working at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I sorry. I did find it. The movie's called Very Bad Things, and it's like a bachelor party. Uh, it's from like 1998, and a bachelor party in Vegas or whatever. Uh, stripper comes over to their hotel room, and she accidentally dies there. Like she slips on a pole or whatever. But because they're all fucked up, they're concerned. A curse, damn it, explicit. Um, <laughs> because they're all messed up and she dies, they try to hide her body and they, they do much worse things than having a stripper accidentally die in their hotel room. Anyways, that's the one that comes to mind. So maybe Dwight is only knowledgeable of this one movie from 1990 has colored his entire thought process on bachelor parties. Right, and <laughs> we've got to finally see that Oscar is running against the senator. Yep. And one of the new people that um, Toby... Dwight hired is blonde accountant. She yeah, comes in, I guess, to Oscar's office. Something. Well, I think I think she re- is replacing Kevin, like you said. Right, right. But Oscar's in an office. Like, well, he's in Daryl's old office. Right. I don't know if that's his office now or what. But she's like, "What is uh, this? This symbol?" And it's what the Clevin. Yeah. Something plus Clevin gets you home by seven. Yep. And Oscar says Kevin was home at four forty-five that day. Uh, in something because I recognized her because it's been a while since I've watched the feed. Uh-huh. Uh, the blonde girl is Dakota Johnson. Correct. Of- right, which is the uh, the theme of your other podcast, Fifty Shades of Jacob, where you just <laughs> watch that the first movie every week and talk about it. It's a great it's a great podcast, dude. You should do it. I will be your first subscriber if you do that podcast, even just for four weeks. Well, we're just rewatching and see what new shit I find. Every yeah, time I yeah, watch. yeah. For every, every for four weeks, every week, a thirty to forty minute episode about you talking about Fifty Shades of Grey after you watched. 
<laughs> okay, great. Uh, now that that's uh, yeah. settled. Um, Nelly's in Poland. Yep. Uh, do you think she got... No, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I don't know what was connecting her to that office, you know? Well, yeah, but still, I mean, he seemed to like it. Yeah. I mean, because now she obviously doesn't even work for Joe Bennett, which is how she was even tied to this company at all. Right. Um, but that's yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, I think she doesn't speak too highly of it. Yeah, it's just, just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Toby is still super creepy. Yeah, like he he's essentially stalking Nelly because they arrived at the same time. She's like, "What are you doing? Like, what? How do you know I was here?" Yeah, you know, I let me just say. So this is the finale. My final thoughts on Toby were: I just don't know how creepy he was still. Because he was either super creepy or just like a total Charlie Brown, you know? Like right. everything is all incidental or accidental around him. Well, yeah. He, I mean, he gets so close to either side, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, we've talked about this before, but the degradation of Toby's character is really bizarre. Like he goes from like, yeah, he's kind of depressed right. to all of a sudden creepy stalker, you know, ultra depressed guy. But he was always competent, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I feel like if that happened after Costa Rica, that's one thing. But I feel like that's not one. Like he comes back from Costa Rica and he's still basically Toby. It's like when, maybe it's just when, what's that dude's name? Paul, who plays Toby Flanderson? Flanderson. Yeah. Paul, whatever. But he becomes showrunner. Right. And not that that's where he wanted his character to go, but maybe like it was just easier to lean into this, those jokes instead of still being coy about it, you know? Yeah. And the other question is, was he creepy all along and he just started building up and we saw more and more of it? Or, you know, I mean, but really the, the script, like when, when you change in the show is around the screen strangler trial. Yeah, that's actually, that's true. That is when he comes back, he's very, he's different. And yeah, when that I think started. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's weird, but yeah. So shows up at the same time. Nelly's very suspicious. They don't share a cab together. Yeah, um, but Toby's living with six dudes in uh, New York City. And so I, I kind of wonder, because she does talk about like blocking and stuff. Like, yeah. do you think he was like talking to her, trying to talk to her? Yeah, probably. Like, but like, you know, real, not like they're not to say that they were good messages, but he was probably just like, hey, but he was the dude who said, hey, every three days. Right. Unresponded to that kind of stuff. Creepy. He's probably talking about, hey, remember that? Oh my God. So gross. Uh, right. So he's trying to write the great American novel, which, uh, but man, I really should have asked my wife before I came. She reads. I feel like it's going to be Great Gatsby. So I think that's right. Uh, so was Toby trying to write a book that would replace the? Oh, he's just trying to write the. Uh, let's. Well, there's several. So according to Wikipedia, which term "Great American Novel" or "Phenomenal Novel" that is thought to have captured these novels are generally written by Americans and deal in some way with the question of America's national. The Great American Novel is sometimes considered. American national epic. There's no consensus on which novel or novel deserved to be called the great American novel. Practically many academics use the term to refer to a small number of books that have historically been the nexus discussion, including Moby Dick, Huck Finn, and The Great Gatsby. Jesus, that was so long, dude. <laughs> I feel like we owe somebody money now. Like, we all have to donate to Wikipedia the next time we see that stupid pop-up saying they need $3. Oh, it's happens right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go give money to Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, so The Great Gatsby. Toby's trying to write a book like that. Got it. 
Um, Which I've never read. Great Gatsby? Yeah. Dude, <laughs> this is crazy. Last Valentine's Day, my wife and I went to a play where they read aloud The Great Gatsby in its entirety. It's like 10 hours. So we went to this theater. We were in it for like two hours, 15 minute break, two hours, half hour break for a meal. Then you go back in for another two hours, 15 minute break, two hours. Why? Why would you do that to yourself? It was crazy. Well, one thing, first of all, I hate that book. And I went in knowing I was doing this eight hour thing, being like, sucks. And I walked out of that thing it's it's the best story when some dude is just reading the book out loud. No idea why. Uh, you know, stuff happens. Like he's in an office and he's reading it. So things around him are like replicating the things he's reading. Right. Anyway, it's crazy. Okay. Anyways, Toby can't do that. Right. And he, like Andy shows up in the office and everyone's like super concerned. They're like, Andy, you made it. And like Phyllis runs up next to him and gives him a big hug. He's like, it's like I was you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's interesting because Andy's like aware of this pity. Right. On it. Maybe like he already gets it everywhere he goes anyways, but yeah. uh, everybody can't not do it to him. Yeah. You know, we find out he's working at the admissions office for now, which actually probably pays a big cost of a hide. Mm. I don't know. I could be. Like I said, if it's not in Jersey, I don't know. Uh, so we find out that uh, Jim and Pam actually got folks to fly in by doing some like finagling well, what it was was so all the guys that came in weren't gonna be able to make it to the weddings but so jim and pam because the uh the documentary crew was flying everybody right right so they finagled it to where this the q a session uh landed on the same weekend as dwight's wedding right so people would fly in for the wedding paid for by the documentary people right so it's very nice of them. So Dwight, super stoked to see everybody. Uh, we learned that Daryl's living in Austin, which is where Athleap is uh, has an office there. That's their headquarters, right? That's where they moved. Yeah, to. They, they yeah. Moved. when they got the buyout. Yeah, they got moved. Um, so he, he's doing great. Um, and I do kind of wonder, like, we don't know exactly how much stake in the company got. Yeah. But that's got to be worth a chunk of change. It's like you know, Pam says something about how they're always hearing about it. Like, it seems like it's this, like they merge with somebody else. So, it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that equity stake is worth like a million dollars. Well, that's the thing, right? Like he, despite him quitting and working at Dunder Mifflin full time, he's still some form of a shareholder, right? Unless they made him sell, but yeah. Right, which the, that was never implied. And also based on what happens at the end of this episode, I feel like he must still have a working relationship with them because. Right. That's a fast thing to happen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Oscar doesn't know how to act around these people. Question. Mark. Yeah. He's like. He's like. Oh, I gotta remember how to act like I was when I was before I came out of the class. Oh, right. Because so Oscar ends up going to the bachelor party because it was suggested he go to the bachelorette party. But he I got think invited. he wanted. Yeah. But I think he wants to do the bachelorette party for his like uh, senatorial image, right? I, I guess. Yeah. That's what I always thought. All right. So they like. So one thing. Um, was it what was the word Gutenprog? Uh, yeah, I think it was like Gutenprogen. Yeah. Gutenprogen, which is a happy surprise or happy right. accident or something. Yeah, which like sounds so, like a good prank. So, so Jim is only going to give him Gutenprogen. Yeah. Um. So 
they end up stopping somewhere in a field and <laughs> Dwight's like, this isn't on the itinerary. Are you going to whack me? <laughs> why, why would he automatically assume that you're going to try and kill him? Yeah. Well, I mean, cause that's just Dwight still living in a world where he thinks his martial arts training is going to be an essential part of his survival future, you know? <laughs> so Gutenprog in number one. Well, isn't this too? Cause I think number one is getting Daryl in, right? Right. Getting everybody in. So it's good in number, this is number two. two. And then the field is this dude with a bazooka that Dwight gets. Yeah, yeah. Which is, like, yep. I would love to be able to show. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're snowflakey Democrats over here, right? So we're not trying to have your, your guns all over the place. But my wife was like, I, I could shoot a bazooka. Bazooka's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> No one would disagree with that, you know. I, I think there should just be an exception in all laws saying, hey, shoot a bazooka. Apparently there's a gun range in Vegas. Where- or a beet farm in uh, Pennsylvania. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, so are you going to whack me? It's all very funny. He shoots that bazooka. Everybody's super stoked about it. Um, then they head off to a steakhouse mm-hmm. where Andy gets recognized and, like, teased by some douche. Yeah, it's like, oh, don't worry, he's five film it and make it go viral viral and like everyone's like really interested in how andy's doing like i never noticed just how worried everyone was for andy throughout the entire episode yeah like there is this fear for him that you you know from everybody yeah yeah i mean well a lot of these people have seen andy not be good he did the right. front janitor thing he had management he's punched two holes in the wall he ran away on a boat like, right. It all, was, you know, they all saw, I'm sure they all saw the YouTube of <laughs> that too. And uh, they know he shit on his car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So he's not shown them his best side. Right. Though that being said, it's interesting because like you said, they're all worried, but he knows that they're worried and he's really trying to be here and that he's fine. Like as we find out at the end of the episode, he actually is fine. Yeah. I mean, he's fine. Right. But like obviously better than what everybody else is implying by their worry. Right. Um, yeah, so that's just interesting. Um, but he's working at the admissions office at Cornell. And like, I don't know why, the first time I watched it, I was like, he sounds like a like a desk jockey. But I was like, upon this rewatch, I was like, oh yeah, admissions office. Like, he yeah. can help judge character of people coming to Cornell. But it's also like, admissions does a lot of stuff, a lot more than just that, you know. They help people get transfer credits. You know, they, they do a lot. Right. Yeah, but I mean, like that's what I mean. He was wasn't just a secretary. Like that's right, a real right, that's right. a real job. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's I mean, you can if you're head of admissions, paper you get paid good. Yeah. We fought, we we see the stripper. What's her name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth for the what the third time, fourth time this year. Yeah. It's yeah. at least three. It's at least three, maybe four, but at least three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know, and I, yeah, Dwight doesn't recognize her, and he keeps trying to give her his order, and it, it was I was cracking up, dude. I was like, oh my god, this is actually pretty funny. He's like, can I get an onion loaf? He's like, and she like put hit her fingers on his lips, and he's like, are you sick? Giving me a sample? I don't want it. <laughs> is this the house special? Because it tastes like sick. Yeah, he's like, that won't do. Jim is just there, filming the uh, filming the whole thing on his iPhone. Yeah, you know, which I thought was going to come back later in the episode the first time I watched it. Um, but it doesn't. Like, it's not really a good prank. It's just so Jim has this footage of Dwight for his own, like, you know, reason. So th- this is off topic, sort of. But it just popped in my head. I don't know if you've seen it, but 
uh, NBC has released a 25 to 30 minute ish complete threat level midnight on. You know, I did see that on uh, YouTube, but I didn't know if that was like an official thing or some like. Yeah, it's from the official the office. That's very interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. It's on. It's on the list. I support it. So back at the bachelorette party, everyone's hanging out. We see uh her sister who i don't know if it's the same one from that because she she talked about early in the year or early in the show about how her and her sister hadn't spoken for 10 years right i don't know if floating boxes only have one sister like uh right yeah because they don't explain why she uh or who like starts talking to her again they're just fine and they they do seem fine they're excited to see each other and crap right? right And, uh, yeah, yeah sh- that woman plays one of the main characters in Lucy. If you want a really fun, stupid show that's just silly and uh, watch Lucy. Yeah, I think it she, is a trashy, trashy show. And I-, uh, I think she was either in SNL or Bad TV. Uh, Rachel, what's her? Uh, but I actually think her and Angela IRL in real life for those of you, uh, like were the spokespeople for some like turtle reservation. Yeah. Like, say they're a buddy for like their conservation efforts or whatever. So that's part. Anyways, uh, Anyways yeah. yeah, so they're, they're all fine, and yeah, they come, and I do think that's the sister. They just don't explain why they're buddies. Um, but Meredith's son is a stripper who shows up. Yes, yeah, was very classy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, there's not a lot of sitcoms where you could watch a child come back to a program and be a face tattooed stripper. You know, <laughs> it's 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 crazy. Yeah, like Meredith is like into. Yeah, you know, it's she's uh, she's trying to be a supportive mother, which I agree with. It's like, listen, if you support your kid who can be a stripper because it's a powerful thing, like that's great. I think that's fine. But she starts like give tips. She's in there. She's next to him. There's a lot of guiding. Yeah, it was really really creepy. Yeah, it was a bit much. She was a good mom for like four seconds. Crossed the line. Right. And started air humping at Angela's face. She's like, this is worse. Um, so that's great. Um, but then what, there's like a temperature issue or whatever, or does the door fly open? There's a noise. There's a noise, yeah. And they get scared. to lock the door. Yeah. Right. But Phyllis checks and Mose breaks in and kidnaps him. Now Phyllis was in on it, right? It's hard to tell. It is hard to tell, but there is, is probably, I mean, Jim would have somebody on the side uh, for sure. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean his wife is that, I don't think it's explicitly. Yeah, because Phyllis is so like dumb around the door. Like it seems like she's acting poorly. Right. But then like later on when she actually gets yelled at by Angela, like it's like Phyllis genuinely being sad like she used to be. Yeah. Instead of like incredulous that she helped this one thing. So, so it is tradition. Broughton, I, I tried my best to keep that. I, I love it. Uh, that somebody kidnaps the bride, and a groom has to go find her at a pub and buy the pub a rest. Right. So, Jim sets it up to where they go to a particular pub that Kevin owns. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, Jim phrases it like, what's the last pub you'd ever go to? And Dwight doesn't know. And then Jim gives the only show up. And yes, it's uh, Kevin's bar. Right. And so Kevin and Dwight are like estranged. You know, they haven't been talking to each other. And Kevin's got this great, he's like, well, 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 well. <laughs> yeah. That's six wells. And so, but apparently, like, Dwight would get that's never, it seems out of nowhere that they were like friends. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's part of what we've learned um, about Dwight, like this season specifically, that he holds these people closer than he let on originally. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not, it's not, you know, it's just what he's been doing. But yeah, you're right. They don't super establish that. Let's be fair. I'd rather own a bar than be an account. Yeah. Which I don't know where Kevin got the money. <laughs> like, they talk about how terrible he was at everything. And a lot of that stuff he's terrible at are essential to running a. <laughs> yeah, here. Let's, so I found the answer here. This is a deleted scene. I'm just going to read this explanation. Uh, Kevin explains how he bought his bar. After the documentary, so many people insisted on buying him drinks, despite his being a fairly light drinker that he had thousands of dollars in credit and it was cheaper for the owners to simply give him a large share. It adds that the bar's business has doubled since became associated. So there you go. It's part owner. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I guess as he keeps making more money, he can just buy more parts of that bar. Yeah. But it seems successful and he seems happy aside from his wells, his seven wells. <laughs> yeah. It's so like you know, Dwight gets into it with those awesome person is terrible saying like you're yeah. terrible at math or terrible your internet searches were so filthy we had to throw the computer out. <laughs> I know. Which is just a great joke. Uh yeah. And uh and Kevin's like crying, he's like, Is that it? Like he like that is not a shaming him or whatever. Yeah. Uh it's great. I, I mean again, it's weird that they have this relationship, but it's a nice moment anyway. Right. And that was good pranking number. That's right. Uh, so, oh, so now that he's done this and he's bought everybody the round, he's like, where's my Right. And they throw her in the back of like a their K car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it's funny because now for the rest of the episode, she's going to be having like numb leg issues. Right. But I do a lot of like when she pops out of the truck, so you like mows, you peep, 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 peep. Yeah. It's like eight or ten in a row and Jim's like. <laughs> well, you know, because I guess I, I bet Jim doesn't didn't fully understand that she was literally kidnapped. It wasn't like a fun hiding game. Like maybe he's just learning that for the first time now. Uh, so yeah, uh, we 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 do get to see some of uh, that the auto tune for Baby Wawa, which was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it, it, it's another one of them where like Kevin's watching. It's in my jukebox. Yeah, like, you know, it, something about how Andy doesn't make a dime off. Yeah, it's just very funny. Like he's very spiteful of all of his old bosses. Um, Okay, so, but now we are, next day, we are the morning of the wedding, which happens to be the Q&A session. Right. right. And uh, so they're at this, like, church or community center or something community like that. Center, yeah. yeah. And there's nobody in the crowd, and they're all kind of down, and Andy's feeling particularly bad about himself. And uh, he suggests to the team that he'll go out and tell the house that they're going to just cancel. The- right. And what does he see? It's a huge crowd of people. Sea of people. And uh, they're, they're stoked to see him. And I got to say, as some of our dedicated listeners will know, I've recently become more obsessed with wrestling than I used to. But Andy basically gets his equivalent of a wrestling chant in a rude do to do Right. Well, and, like, there's this bit, and it's played really, like, he, uh, he plays it really well facially. Like, he's concerned that they're going to start picking him. Right, right. For Baby Wawa. But they're like, hey, look, it's Andy Bernard. That's our dog. Well, that's what's great, right? It's like, right. it's his... Andy persona. It's not the baby Wawa persona. Like they're actually fans of him. So it's great. And uh, we cut to, and it's a huge packed house and they are getting into the questions. And I got to say it, some of them were like very in line with what I've heard at Q and A's at Comic Cons, like just not questions at all or totally inappropriate sentences. <laughs> yes. Every, every woman there wanted to jump on the gym. That's right. Uh, do anything, anything. I don't think I've said this, but throughout this watch through my wife's been watching along as well. And she's just like always 
hating on Jim's hair, and it's really made me hate Jim's hair too. <laughs> he looks like such an idiot for so long before he like finally is like, "Oh, get it out of my face!" Right. So there's this whole thing about like someone asked him about what it was like having you know being surveilled and Dwight being Dwight's like, "Oh, you have more video taken of you, and you're helping feed Google." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's the only line from the entire episode. Yeah. Now all my friends call me Plop. Yeah. Yeah. And Clark doesn't speak much either. There's a couple I times I feel like he's not even in group shots. Yeah. There's there's definitely a couple times where it feels like that. But I gotta give him credit because even I mean. Erin gets her own thing and she's been part of the show for quite a while. Yeah. But it really does just focus on that. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. There's a bit about what's on the letter for the teapot. Pam gives like a nice, cute, sincere answer. How like, it's nice to keep it secret. And the dude's just like, okay, but what did it say? And according to our friend, Greg, uh, apparently what was actually on the letter was a letter from Krasinski to Jenna. Jen Fisher, yes, about how like you know how great it's been to work with her and you know all that kind of stuff. I always thought it was a graphic cartoon depiction. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so someone asked Pam like how she's gonna pay Jim back for quitting athlete, and she's like, "Oh, I'm working on something," which is something I've never caught until now. It's like, oh, foreshadowing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gotta say, I mean, so there's obviously a lot of questions about Jim and Pam, and they were directed at Pam in like a negative way. That was just like having this bummer issue with like, I don't like Pam here, like the way they've chosen to write her. She feels like overly apologetic because like Jim messed up a lot last season. I mean, he messed up a lot this season, right? So I feel like Pam, they, I don't know why they make her so apologetic, I guess. Like, I know she has a history of it but this is like the best version of Pam we're supposed to ever be seeing. And they like, I don't know. I felt like they leaned into a lot of like these like housewife tropey behaviorals for her. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always kind of read it as felt bad now, yeah. but didn't then. And, you know, I think she feels a little bad because they've gone through it and it's better. She sees what she took away from them. Right. So, yeah, you know, that's our quotes. Yeah, yeah. But so that's kind of how I read it. And Jim, you know, obviously has like he owns up to handling it terribly. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's something that's happened in the last year that's been like, you know, they, they've grown so much together that she's starting to feel bad, I guess. And maybe it's one of those things where also because she knows what's, what's happening right now. Right. She's like, well, I'm I'm sorry I made it, it took this long for me to get ready to do it, but now it's the- Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like like you said, Jim atones for all of his stuff and it happens before this episode, but Pam's waits until this episode. Well no, but Jim talks about how like he's handled it handled it terribly in at the Q and A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like all of uh Pam's talking heads, I guess. She's yeah. like very apologetic to the audience. So <laughs> there's this great bit is like <laughs> Does your life feel pointless now that they're not, you're not being filmed and it's dead for a second? So he's like, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, this great bit where apparently Meredith was actually getting her PhD for the first seven seasons, but that was never shown on TV. Yeah. Which like accounts for her like being a little crazy because it was college. And Pam has this great speech about like love and marriage, like how it's like a great book you never want to put down. And people tell her her relationship was like a fairy tale, but didn't feel like it, you know, a lot of times. Really getting in the like 
the real life of what it is to be married all right. that stuff <laughs> she's like it's like a good like she ends it with like it's like a good book the person asking the questions like, like harry potter <laughs> yeah yeah and if only president mike was there he'd be like no not like harry potter uh we see that creed is in the audience aaron's parents show up um it uh, is so- a really great scene when like everyone but her realizes what's going on with mom yeah it's well performed for sure i mean i just have a problem with this premise so one are we to believe this is the first parents who have come up to aaron since her orphan status had been known because like what some people do it for like the star path like the stardom you know the gossip right. and two why is aaron so quick to believe it it's two I guess, but there's no paperwork. Like that'd be my first question. I'd be like, okay, like I need to see some ID. You know, I need. Well, I that, need that, was, that was that was the question that popped in my head. Is like, how did they know? Well, because we don't know exactly when she was given up, right? Yeah. But I mean, if if she was given up at birth, how would they know? Right. Uh, the only thing I could guess is maybe she. And this is like head case. Or maybe she like became some kind of adopter child, um, and was a maybe more information was found out about her mm. because you know resources everything else because there is paperwork somewhere of who you're talking. Yeah, right. Or whatnot. Yeah, because no one's saying that she was like a freaking baby in a basket outside of a nunnery. Right. This is probably a legal transaction of a child being returned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Here's your receipt. Uh, all right. Yeah. So Creed's in the audience. He's clapping. He's very emotional uh, with these two. Of course, the two people who are Aaron's parents are um, Ed Begley Jr. and uh, Joan Cusack. That's okay. Yes. So once you see celebrities at the Q&A, you have to be an important part of the rest of this episode. I mean, not really. They dance. They dance, but they don't really... It also feels like they sit at the front seat of that wedding. They, they do. It's up <laughs> right? They're like yeah. right up there. Like Aaron had a plus two. Um, yeah. So we, we actually get to the wedding. And a lot of people are bringing cats. Yeah. Customary wedding cat or whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Creed does his bit to Dakota trying to prove that he's real. <laughs> Uh, we see Ryan for the first time, and uh, he has a little baby with him. Drake. Yeah. Oh, I love his new album. It's not 2011 rapper. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Drew and Blake. Which I don't get why you would do that, but whatever. You know, uh, let's see. What are you, Jacob? What's another good name? Louie. So you could be Jakui. That's cool. <laughs> or you could be Lukeum. Luca might be good, actually. You kind of sound a little like European. Uh, so <laughs> Kelly introduces Ryan to Robbie. Yeah, I mean it's who we've met, right? It's who she right, left right, right. to go to uh, Miami with or whatever. And so apparently she's doing really well because she does say something about like saving him six hundred dollars. But he's a pediatrician. Uh, you right, right, a lot. right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she says that this baby's cuter than some of his patients, which are total uggos, <laughs> premature babies. Uh, it's terrible. I mean, Kelly is just one of you know. Kelly and Ryan are terrible. They're terrible people. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, and we so find out how Ryan has the baby, right? Right. Like he was dating a girl, and we don't know if it's his per se. Oh, that's we a assume good point. so. That's right. But it may be just like he was living with a girl with a kid, and she split. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, she went out to go get like e-liquid juice or something. Yeah, charge it for e-liquid. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Um, uh, so Angela's legs are still numb, and uh, Phyllis promises Angela that she will get her up to the old find out by piggyback ride. Which is great. 
so Jim with this final prank, right, is um, goes up to Dwight's like, hey, look, so-and-so told me I can't do it because I'm younger than you. Yeah, some old rule that says the best midge has to be older. And so he looks over Dwight's shoulder, Dwight's turn, and that's where it's such a great, great scene. Yeah. He's like crying. He's like, you actually came. And of course, the first line back is, that's what. Yeah, which, you know, that was, that's risky, right? Because it could have been lame, but right. it was not lame. It was just the best version of joke. It, it came out so well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's great. Michael's there. Uh, we finally get to see what marrying in their graves means. Right. Well, there's a picture of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. When he says that reference before. Yeah. Early. It's referenced a couple. Of- but he said the funerals are happier, but the weddings are a bleak affair. But this right. wedding does not seem weak. And I guess what? Well, you know, you know, uh, Angelo. <laughs> yeah. It's true. a really nice little wedding. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, so you're asking would Angela's like still be numb? Seems like a long time to be. I mean, I guess it could be like a pinched nerve. That's a thing, right? Yeah. And she's old. She's like 80. We got Kevin doing a reading, which is awful. Which I yep. think is from Song of Solomon. That's what it sounded like. I, I don't, I don't know Jesus stuff, man. Which is, if you if you know your Bible, that's the book about sex in the proper way. Like it's right. Something like Hebrew. Oh boy, can't read it until a certain age or something. Religion by Jacob. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> random stuff i know man uh, um so the wedding happens it's kissing it's all very happy and then nate opens up a crate of doves but the doves don't fly away and i don't understand why this is so awkward but it's really awkward yeah he just like shoves it <laughs> yeah he he just, one just won't do it he's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and so then we get to see this very funny first dance with Angela and Dwight where he's just swinging her around. But, right. I mean, this is the happiest, honestly happiest I've ever seen in really. Uh, and really this whole episode, like she gets grumpy and at moments, but she checks herself. But like, this is truly happy Angela in a way we've never seen. It's just nice. It's nice. You know, Not, first dance is a great thing. Oh, I don't know. I've done terrible. Well, don't get me wrong. Don't. I'm like terrible dancer. It, well, the, the first dance is like, Nice. Uh, the first hacky sack was great, which we did. Or, you know, the first knife fight, that was a good one. Oh, you got to stick to your convictions better. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, sorry. Yeah. Ryan and Ravi. Ryan runs up to Ravi basically saying that hit Blake, it, Drake, sorry, Drake it's is. Got um, a rash, yeah. yeah. And he's like heating up or whatever. So he's like, Rob, can you take the baby in the house and check on him? And uh, he's like, "Why are you gonna come?" He's like, "Well, now I'm feeling like a little flustered. I got to sit water, but you should go." Right. It's yeah, like Kelly's like, "Go." Yeah. Yeah. Very. Not Ryan is not. <laughs> so, no. No. <laughs> but I feel like Kevy, Ke- Kelly, Kevy, Kelly isn't a hundred percent sure. Right. He's legitimately still not quite getting it. But Ravi now takes the baby, goes inside, and Ryan uh, drops a drops a love deuce right there. Right. And Kelly's like, "Oh, you you did." You gave your baby an allergic reaction for me. Yeah. It kisses him. They're running off. And Ryan's like, I have mastered commitment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is great. another reason why I think that, like, maybe it isn't his kid. Right. Because, because like, he obviously doesn't really care about it. He's doing it out of, like, a responsibility thing. Yeah. I mean, Ryan's a douchebag, but I don't think he's that big of a douchebag. Yeah. To just abandon him. 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, we see uh, Toby crying while he's dancing with Pam. She's just sad about everything, which is like, again, it's funny to see Toby cry, I guess, but it's like such a weird place for this character. to. Yeah, I mean, I could also, everyone around them seems so happy, right? Right, right. Of all the people we see in, like, really get to understand what they're doing, he's the only one that isn't. Yeah. Uh, he gets there, though, by the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, we see Stanley is not the curmudgeon that people think he is, and he gifted Phyllis a lovely statue of her visage, but it's got them freaky flamingo legs. Stuff a nightmare. I like it. <laughs> I'd get a couple from my yard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Robbie comes back out looking for Ryan. Kevin told, tells him they left, and he hands the baby to Kevin. like, call Child Protective uh like they'll find a better parent for it. Yeah. And Nelly like just takes the baby. I mean, we know she wanted one, right? Uh-huh. But like this is like this is legit human trafficking. <laughs> this is kidnapping and human trafficking of a baby. Yeah, I mean, I think Nelly's a better parent than Ryan, and I'm sure Ryan could be tracked down and like be able to give any necessary documentation to Nelly. Like he'd be happy to sign that paperwork, I think. For sure. But still, I mean, it's just like, how did she get that baby? Well, that's the thing, right? Because I think babies need passports too. I don't know. I mean, unless you shove a baby in a bag. Have you ever put a bag? (laughs) When was the last time you bagged a baby? (laughs) 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 I guess not recently. Your laughter, so never mind. But yeah, Nelly Nelly grabs that baby. We we get this great line by by Michael. I feel like all my kids grew up and married each other. It's every parent's. (laughs) Yeah, you know. So I also read that. Sorry, even though we've been doing this show for four years, I'm still sitting on the freaking floor. That it was hard to get Steve Carell back. Like he wasn't going to do it and people didn't know if he was, you know, whatever. So it was like a very like big effort to get him back for the few scenes that he's in. And I got to say. he was busy or didn't want to do it? Or? That's a, it felt like he just didn't want to do it, which is crazy. Like I know like you're trying to move on, but like tune it's your show. You could be in the last episode for a little bit. And because of like whatever little they choose to use him, Michael's kind of just stupid here. It's like Pam is the one that makes him look good. Yeah. She describes how he's like super happy and he yeah, has two phones for all the pictures of him and his kids or whatever. But Michael says that that's what she, she said joke and an incest comment. And that's about it. And he's off the episode. So uh, it's interesting. I'm just realizing that Pam is otherwise Michael is probably the stupidest he's ever been before. Right. Is that too bold to say? I just went on a bit of a tangent. Yeah, it's bold. bold. Oh, shh. All right. Well, Steve, don't don't at me, bro. So we see finally at the when we get to the Hopper's house because they need a change. And Carol, the realtor, is coming out, and so Pam is selling the house. Yep. And Jim kind of gets she's like, "Really? Like you bought this without telling?" Yeah, it's it's still playful though. Like he's gonna get yeah. a little agitated, but she's very playful about it. How long you've been doing? Uh, two months. I think. Two months. He's like, that's why it's been so clean. So moving to Austin, and they both grew up there. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, Pam just gets to this place, obviously, two months before this uh, Q&A. So it's not that people trying to make her feel bad. It's the Q&A is what spurred her to do this. Like, was doing it already. But, uh, yeah, she does it. I don't know. I, I feel like Pam has always been aware that sometimes her life there is a little redundant, like repetitive. And she's, like, aspired to bigger things. So I think it just took her time to like be in a stasis before she was like shaking stuff up and seeing that this company's taking off she's like okay this is our opportunity in a pretty safe way 
you know, because we'll make bank. Right. And, you know, she said, she says later that I guess she already took athlete and jump in basically where he was. Well, that's why I was wondering, like, if he's still a shareholder, that's what makes it so easy for him to get a job again. Or have they been bothering him to come for months? And finally, he's like, okay, I'll come back, you know? Yeah, it's hard to, I mean, either way, oh, there was something. My brain just (laughs) short It's a lot. I mean, you know, whatever. We've been going an hour. We're not quite done with this episode. So this is the most thorough we've ever been. I get it. It's also the longest episode in the series. That's true. That's true. Like, it's a full 50 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so they're making the move or whatever. It's nice. It's nice. And everybody's happy about it, it seems. Um. So we go to this after party. It's like the post-wedding slash reunion party of uh, the production. So PBS is there and they've got a bunch of swag. And they're not giving anybody. No, nobody gets it but the executives or pledges, I guess. Um, And we see the Pam's mural, which is really good. It's like each desk clump. Yep, it's very cute. And she says we should all take a picture. Uh, But everybody goes up instead of just the office people. And the office people give each other this weird secret nod that apparently they all understand. It's like go back upstairs, and they do. Uh, So, yeah, there's marriage stash. I don't know why exactly, but there's like this look exchange between Meredith and where, like, in my head, they totally hook up after this. uh, Yeah, they might. They might. Meredith does consider Toby as one of the people who may have said on the last day. Yeah. You know, so she'd do it. She'd put it in. We get this great, uh, you know, this is sort of when like the glut of the episode really starts to hit. Because right. Pam is talking about how like, you know, going back, she was so mad and how like you know, Jim was right there for years and it took her too long. And it's a really sweet, you know, thing. And Kevin, of course, very like, look, you film someone long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Little did he know that every time they filmed him, he was doing something stupid. Right. And so Dwight says to Jim, uh, you're... Uh, why don't we have a conference room meeting just for fun when I get back? Yeah, from honeymoon. Right, and so they they go into his office and uh, something like I don't remember exactly what he says, but he's, what what Jim or Pam says to get the conversation going, but he cuts him off. He's like, "You're fired. Don't say yeah. another word. You're fired." And yeah. you know, he's like, "Oh, don't do this. Don't end this in a bad way." And he's like, "Look at the severance." Right. Yeah. So it was which a- he does, and he does very quickly. Like it's a very genuine good thing he does in this moment, right? I mean, it's a month of salary for every year they worked. So for Jim, it's a year's worth of salary. Yeah. Granted, I mean, I don't. We we know we don't really know what the, how big Jim's actually yeah, because you know sales guys generally have their salary. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I guess if most of his money, like his big money, was all from commission. But that being said, he's getting paid more than minimum wage for a full year while he trades a new job. Oh yeah, so I mean, it's probably yeah, it's probably still hundred thousand yeah, dollars. Maybe that, that sounds like a lot for for rural pennsylvania although i guess they're the hub of the country yeah uh and we know pam well as at least gets a year but she had been working yeah well and i wonder too what is like what are the records of dunder mifflin during the michael scott paper company era because she does like quit and then she gets rehired through a merger so like would they consider her last tenure there that's a good question. I mean, I would think so because most companies count separate. Yeah, yeah. So she'd get a little less probably because she was a rebel. Right. But it's, if it's still a year, we know 1.5,000. Right. So, I mean, they probably got that makes transitioning to a new place a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> like if you oh, could just go sure. in and drop 100 grand on a house, it'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, so we get a couple other people's like ending bits or whatever. 
um dwight is like just talk about how he really gets along with everybody as we said at the top he mm-hmm. likes his subordinate um we see the youtube video of andy's cornell speech which he he says earlier that he was invited as a joke but he felt he gave a good speech so watching it and it actually is it's a very good sincere speech and it's what makes everybody realize that andy really is okay right yeah um you know it's the the great quote i wish there were a way to know you know because he's talking about how like when he was working for dunder mifflin all he was thinking about is cornell now that he's at cornell it's really sad like it's very poignant and i i get that like sometimes it's really hard to be self-aware these are going to be some of the best times right Uh, should be on a shirt or a mug pin yeah it's good um and Creed starts singing this song about old friends. Well, we find out he's been living in the office. He right. actually seems to be hanging his clothes in Ryan's old office, mm. which is just the most unused storage closet, I guess, on the planet <laughs> because no one knew he was in there. Uh, but he whips out a guitar and he plays this song. He's very talented. Um, and it's making people remember. So he gets some little clip show bits here. Right. Which is- yeah. Um, last night, what, what, is, what is 96 here? My last nine years would be something else to see. Oh, just thinking about like, you know, if, if I could have a video, if I could have a documentary of my last night. That's what I'm saying. You kind of have an audio one of the last three. Yeah. That's not bad. You know, it's not- yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Aaron has a, Aaron doesn't get it. What? The the song, the, the face uh, that he sings is a brat. He's a talented dude. Uh, this I is think- also where like we figure out that like Creed, like the intersection of this Creed and real Creed, because they talk about him being the grass where which right. he won. Right. So he gets arrested. It's really good. It, it's good. He's like, I'm ready. They take him away. Uh, Aaron gets her last bit where she does a little I'm a dumb person thing. How do cameras work? Right. Um, Jim also has a really nice bit where he says everything he has. Right. Uh, it's not a sentiment that he has. Uh, he said this before, you know, he mm-hmm. kind of goes through it when he's telling Michael. He should learn to know how that work. Right. Um, but he repeats it. It's good. It's powerful. Um, and uh, who is it? It's Pam who says the last Pam, line of the show. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Such a great way, great way to close this. You know, well, it is the, the premise of the show is so mundane, but it ends up being something that we love, right? And we watch religiously, and it's something that became part of who we are. I grew up watching the show. Oh, yeah. I, you know, the, the, really the man I became, like, I, by the time the show ended, I was a couple of months away from being married. And when sh- the show began, I was sophomore in college. All of that, like, all that life, all the things, I this was always in the background, you know? And it's such a mundane TV show, for sake, man. Like, Boom. but it is something that is just, like, right there beautiful it's still funny like i don't know if you've heard the song netflix trip by ajr mm-hmm. um, oh. it's about the office it's about okay. how like he lived with it's a great song y'all should check it out but that's kind of how i feel about this and like i feel mm. that's why i've spent three and a half years of my life there it is there it is uh so so on top of that since you said all those lovely lovely words jacob what would you give this episode uh because i mean th- because it is a finale and we've talked about this before but it's hard to end it like most final seats suck and most seats aren't good. Mm. so with that lens because i don't think there's much of a better way to end it is five out of five goodbye yeah i mean it'd be it we'd be kidding ourselves to not tell our listeners that we'd give this episode a five out of five uh, because it's why we are here 
I mean, you sure as hell know that we weren't going to do an entire podcast dedicated to this show if we didn't want to finish it. Right. Um, Yeah, and maybe I disagree with a lot of the journey that they make the characters take in the later seasons with what they made us experience. They end, you know, like it was, it's good. It feels nice. There's funny, there's love. It's like shite. It's great. Good stuff. Good job. And what I like, what I also find interesting, especially with how they use time jump, is more than anything like this, is life goes on, right? Right. Like, you know, it's there, there, there is quote unquote more after the show ends. There's more to life after the documentary. Like, one of my favorite endings, uh, like final bits to a series is Star Trek Next Generation, because it just ends with it, this idea of, oh, we're just not going to hang out with these guys anymore, but they're out there and they're our friends. They're going to go save the galaxy time and time again. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was saying today to my wife that uh, part of me wishes that this episode had actually aired farther away from the previous episode. Um, You mean a bigger time jump? Yeah, well, no. Uh, like the actual airing of the episode in our world. Like, so we could have sat with the previous episode for longer. So when we experienced this, we're from a kind of a similar mind frame. Right. Um, But that's, that's, that's the only thing I'd say, but otherwise, yeah, no, it was good. And it ends in the same way that everybody has had this moment. They've rekindled these friendships, but now they're going back to being separate individuals. If, yeah. That's sort of the point that this grouping may never come back together. You know, they may not all be in the same place as right. ever again. Yep. And you know, that's something like, that's something I, uh, I, I sort of sort of able to get my head around a bit or I had a, my grandparents had their 60th wedding and, and there were there was a grouping of my family that hadn't been together in over like even just all my brothers in the same room was six years yeah. just me and just my five me and my five brothers i mean with just the way life is not impractical to think i'll be around all of them again with how life was age and kid and blah 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 like so yeah re-watching it this time that that really you never know it's hard like i said it's hard to know when you're living a special so i think i'm gonna try and understand boom boom welcome to the good old days bro (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah man no it's it's a you know it's it's interesting i you know it's hard not to compare the show to parks and rec at some point um, because obviously one was born of the other and right. then they just go in very different directions through the course of their time. And I always felt like the ending of Parks and Rec was better. But after watching it, there's something nice about how grounded this episode really is. You know, like it's it's a really real episode that's very reminiscent of the first season. Right. And it's like, it's there's something that's truer of this finale to The Office compared to Parks and Rec's finale to where that show started. And not, it's not a slight, obviously, to Parks and Rec, but right, I, I, I agree. Yeah, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to. See. So, Office ended in twenty. Uh, yeah, and it, it doesn't. And I think part of one, one of the reasons why now that I've really gone through it again, that I like, because I, I've once said that I thought Parks and Rec was. Bad, yeah. But now the thing I do like about it, compared to Parks and Rec, is it does leave you with the. You yeah. know, Parks and Rec, you know, like because it, it, you know, time leaps forward. You know right. how everyone's life turned out. And, yeah, you know, they lived happily ever after. I mean, you know that uh, Jim and Pam are going to have issues going to Austin. To right, and, right. You know, I know where where is Cece Halpert all grown up? You know, like what's she going to be like as a teenager? Is she pulling pranks? 
Is she putting people staplers in jello? I need to know these things like it just goes. That's crazy. All right. Um, all right. So, so what we did is we did a couple of rankings for you. We didn't do them as a team. We never do. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, that we've never, I don't have a tally of the ratings of each episode I've ever given. I have no sense of it. <laughs> I don't know. I made it up on the fly. Obviously, I'm the I'm the rebel here. But we did go in and we decided to rank individually what we thought various things were. Yeah. So first off, we will go with the ranking of the. All right. So I guess we'll just we'll just go nine together. All right. So nine for me is. So your your least favorite season is one. I just it's just oh. so, it, it's hard to judge it. Like thinking about it, we shouldn't have ranked it because it is it's what six episodes. Like it's hard to judge it. All right. Oh, so my nine is nine. Uh, my eight is season nine. Okay. Um, my eight was eight. I'm sure you can see where I'm going. Did you just do them in order? <laughs> uh, for a lot of this list, they happen to be in order. Uh, season set or uh, number seven for me is seven. Seven for me is seven. Like, I didn't. I don't know. I mean, that's Michael's last season. Yeah, I was really torn between my next one, which is season five and seven. Like, there's a lot of good stuff in five, but there's also, and this is me trying to be objective, there was a lot of bad stuff going on in my life during season five. Like, it was a pretty (laughs) tough year for me. So whenever I I think about season five, like, like I almost quit watching The Office. Like, when you were watching The Office week to week then, it was really hard. Like, I... So maybe maybe these two should be okay. Uh, number <laughs> six. Six is six. Number six is five for me. Got it. I'm not understood now why because of because of life. Uh, five is five for me. Uh, five is season eight. For me. Okay. I think season eight is criminally underrated. <coughs> I I liked Robert California. Um, I'm glad he was only there for a season because mm. I think that's about his his life. Sure. Grant, but they probably also would have written them different because I think it was pretty much a foregone right for a time. Yeah, I think he kind of James Spader kind of came back after this too, Age of Ultron, and he had that show. Well, right, because he um, blacklist. Yeah, it. that's it, and that's why he left. Got it, got it. Which is also new. boom. Uh, uh, four is six. Four for me. Uh, yeah, four is the weird season. I'm just going to say, because that was the year of that big writer strike where a lot of shows got botched up. And uh, so four can feel uneven, but I, you know, I, I've having recently watched it. I'm like, you know, I kind of. Uh, number three is, it's got some, even though the flow is weird, I think majority of the episode. Uh, three is one for me okay. because I, I feel like it's the closest to the British office while still making it with American humor. Never seen. Well, if, well, I'll tell you. If we ever come back, that's what we should do. That'll take four days. <laughs> number uh, two. Number two. Season two. It's three for me. the. In, well, as everyone knows, the last one. That's right. That, that this one was could easily be one A. Yeah. Like, to me, those two seasons are the best of it. And I was going through it. Um, we we've been just kind of rewatching it, and there may not be a better stretch of episodes than there's a so there's a certain stretch in season three that might be the best like five in a row of any television program ever. So I was thinking, oh, psh, weak sauce, bro. You gotta commit all the way. So you've got. Benny Hanna Christmas, Back from Vacation, Traveling Salesman, The Return, and Ben Franklin. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. That's just, you, yeah. like, there are five fantastic episodes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, to me, season three is like the end of the show. You know, like if I was going to be a jerky fan, I'd be like, that's it. That's all you need to be off of. 
you know, it begins and ends with Pam and Jim. Um, that's yeah. how I feel. So, you know, like season four is fine. Four is the freaking Harry Potter epilogue on platform nine and three quarters when everybody's old. Uh, and then the show keeps going, which is how I felt before we started this show. But I still feel like at its core, one through three are like, the sh- that's the show. That's yeah, I, I would go me the five is when things, you know, that's when the writers change up a lot. And- yeah, the showrunner changes. Yeah. So everyone's favorite time. Office Christmas episodes. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, so number seven, because there are things without Christmas. Yeah. Uh, you first. Is number nine. Number nine. What? Or season nine. Season nine. Oh, it's White Christmas. Christmas. Yep. Uh, mine was Christmas Wishes, season eight. So you're a hater. <laughs> Not a hater. Shut up. Okay. Uh, uh, season uh, number six. Season five. Uh, uh, Moroccan Christmas. Yeah, Moroccan Christmas. Uh, mine's season six, Secret Santa. Ah, my fifth one is got it my fifth one is white christmas so we're, we're getting close we're about close just a little shifting uh, number uh, four is eight so christmas wishes mine's classy christmas season seven that's my that's my number three and my number three is moroccan christmas so so so, I, so let's talk number threes here what was your number three again classic uh, classic christmas. why do you like it tell me about it let's go uh well you, we'll find out later when we rank our pranks but i think it's a great prank okay uh, that goes pretty well it's a funny episode in general uh so yeah yeah i, I think i like moroccan christmas a bit more because it feels like if we talk about i don't know there's like the top three here are like the classics to me yeah. and moroccan christmas is one you get andy playing the guitar the revelation is cheating on him the meredith being submitted into the uh, you know rehab scene like it's it's peak off it also obviously i have a big I, I love Christmas. I'm a big Christmas. Whatever, dude. Okay, number two. Uh, is season two. Season three, Benny on a Christmas. Are these, again, were neck and neck for me. Yeah, right. Because my number one is Christmas Party. My number one is Christmas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're both great just for what they are. I mean, Christmas Party is the very first Christmas episode. Right, and it's hilarious. I yeah, mean. I mean, it stays very focused on office politics and Christmas, you know. Right. A lot of these other ones kind of get away from it, but that's a classic. And then Benny Hanna Christmas is great because it still feels very corporate. Okay, so top five episodes. All right, ready? Number five. And I do have to say, this is personal favorites and not what I think are the best. Episodes. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. But for me, and because you're, you're like number five, pool party. Great episode, great moments. We get to see just the craziness of Robert California. <coughs> uh, you know, there's all sorts of good stuff. Dwight calling Andy an idiot. Great episode. Sure. Uh, number five for me, product recall. Uh, I just I just really love when an episode's about the work that they're doing. Right. So it's great to see the sales calls of the mock meeting in front of the one journalist and the uh, the coal cover-up thing put, you know, forward by Creed. It's a... Uh, it's fun. Yeah, there's a lot. It's hard to, to narrow down to a top five. If you're yes. asking me next week, I might give you a different answer. Yeah, that's true too. Number four. What you got? Uh, Gay Witch Hunt. You know, it's the first episode of season three. Uh, it really changes the dynamic in the office by creating this gay character. Um, I'm not saying that it holds up super well in terms of society. You know, they were at a very different place, but uh, I, I think it's great. And I think there's some really awesome or awesomely funny movies. The, I mean, Michael Oscar kiss is just like, it's crazy. Uh, you remember before? Casino night. Lots of big moments, you know. Um, the gambling scenes are great. I think it's really good. Yeah, that's a great one. Number three. Uh, beach games. Really? 
Yeah, you know, uh, same thing. It's like still about, it just feels like the whole office has moved as opposed to like we're at a dinner party or we're at like a business lunch. Like this feels like they're all trying to have fun under the rules of an office. Right. So Pam is the one who has to cook all the hot dogs because she's still just the freaking receptionist or whatever. Um, no one knows what the hell Creed is doing. Andy like trying to put his best foot forward post anger management. He's just like floating in the river and this gets, it's good. And then Pam gets a really great moment at the end. Right. Where she walks across the fire. And I think I think really that makes the episode for me. So for me, it's Benny Hanuk. I really like the episode. I think it's hilarious. So many great moments in it. Uh, you know, it sets up the return, which is fantastic. There's just a lot of good stuff. For me, it's booze. Wow, interesting. I think okay. it's a classic episode. Um, it's just a great episode. I loved it. I remember watching it when it aired for the first time and just loving it then and still love it now. And you know, we really get to see like how much Jim is into Pam, you know, and he can yeah. pass the mic, uh, you know, dance contest and all that. Stuff. Uh, my number two is diversity day. Uh, but for a similar reason, you know, to me, it feels very like the office. Right. Um, you know, there's the great bits with everybody wearing the cards and then Kelly slapping Michael. You get that subtle affection between Jim and Pam where she falls asleep on his shoulder. Um, and it like how that makes his whole day good after missing out on this huge call that is most of his money. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Another thing I like about booze, we get to see Michael Scott be, we get to see the public exposed to Michael's pretty funny. Yeah, that's true. Cause we don't know what the general society thinks of a Michael Scott. Not too kindly. <laughs> and number one, I mean, I'm sure it's the same. Dinner party? Dinner party. I mean, in the same way, it is also the office of that day like that was the quintessential office right and yeah. i mean it's so cringy it's so well written and it's just like i had a hard time watching it like when it first aired it's hard to watch and i would skip it on rewatches <laughs> for a while yeah i agree although i still skip scott's tots that's like too much that's a step too far it's like they specifically went out to write a cringy episode you know dinner party is like art i thought it's like pornography it's terrible <laughs> it's too much all right um yeah. The top five pranks. All right. Number, Number five, five is when uh, Jim is sin- sending Dwight faxes from the. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Very similar. Mine is, uh, is the Dunder Mifflin chat pod. Yeah. 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 Anything where Dwight thinks he's talking to someone else is great. <laughs> uh, Number four. Um, okay. <laughs> this one is tough. Okay. So there's that episode where they're pranking Packer trying to get him out. And Jim right. suggests wedging something in the desk. Dwight yeah. says it's stupid, and they do it to him later. I think right. it's just perfect because Dwight is like, "Oh, we were really, really getting going," you know, and he doesn't understand that he's being pranked. Like, a right. dope. that's four for me. Number four is one of the all-time classics, Walt and the Vending. Oh uh, yeah, yep, that's a good one. I know it's too bad vending machines don't take anything less than nickels because a wallet being only a dollar nickels is like that's just twenty nickels. That's not that bad. But all this stuff was in there too. It wasn't just as it's true, but once you got his wallet, he'd have dollar bills and stuff. It's like it's only annoying for so long. Okay, number three, Asian Jim. Uh, that's a classic. Way not to see color, Dwight. And so what I'm trying really was trying really hard not to do with this, even though most of these are. Was, I wasn't trying to go completely cold opens. Cause, right. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but that's well, where most of them are shown, yeah. Uh, number three is uh, Jim is bit by a vampire bat. Man, that was that was working hard to be in the top five. It's easily yeah. in the top ten for me, but I was yeah. like. Yeah, he's like, that bread is white hot. <laughs> this garlic bread, it's cold. That's <laughs> uh, so good. <laughs> Bye, Dwight. Yeah, it's good. 
number two. Uh, Pam uh, recruiting Dwight for the CIA because it's Pam who's doing it. Yeah. It's, you know, he buys into it. We learned like stuff about Michael Scott going to magic camp. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that also ends with him throwing his phone off the roof, right? right. Yeah. Uh, my number two, also, this is a weird one to put on this list, especially so high, but it's Jim putting nickels in Dwight's headset. It's because we don't see it. I think that's why I love it. I just like, I get to picture what it's like in all its glory. Okay. And number one. Uh, it's the radio interview. I mean, that is just <laughs> so, yeah, that. it is like so oh. much anarchy. He ends up like naked in the break room and people are running in and out. And David Wallace. Yeah. It is just like bonkers. And then when it's all done, he's like, you know what? That went about as well as I thought it would. You know, it was just nuts. That is a really all right. My number one is the snowman prank that Dwight plays on Jim oh, during yeah. Classic Christmas. It's the best one because it's it's like the only prank that Dwight plays. Yeah, and he just demolishes. It's uh, payback yeah. for every prank ever done to him for the last what seven years yeah i mean it's not surprising if jim needed to see a therapist after that <laughs> it's tough that was a rough one and that was basically a crime yeah yeah and finally the best moment for you is- this is a tough one do you, yeah. do you have any more than just one uh i mean i limited it to one but i could have had a hundred maybe. yeah all right because i have like three here and two are like kind of interchangeable, but I have my uh, my number one. Okay, well, what what are your? Well, my three and two are uh, the seasons of love song sung at Michael after the Dundies from Rent. Uh, it's very emotional. Uh, my other one is on the other side of the emotion spectrum. It's when Michael falls off the toilet in the injury, and you can't see it, but you just hear him go ah, <laughs> and Toby's like, "Can you get up? You only burned your foot." Uh, it's just it's great again i just i love it when we're just being told something but not shown right i just picture michael in the stupidest position and what's your number one it's gotta be uh the job jim asked pam out on a date yeah i thought about that one it was a Uh, bunch yeah uh I, i thought about the casino night kiss which is a huge one um but because the office is primarily a comedy i went with comedic and it is two words that can express so much and that is prison mike yeah tell us what you think of our list tell us why we're wrong please oh yeah please we'll still talk to you even though we're not going to be recording these yep you keep following us on the social medias and stuff and uh we know we're both members of the same network so we'll be we're around i don't i don't there's another big podcast on this network and i only read one book Oh, yeah, so that is that is that. Yeah, a little bittersweet, man. I know. Well, it's interesting too because we did a show about a show about a show, and the last episode is very much about that show's ending. Right. So there's like a lot of uh, yeah, there's uh, similarities going on here, and I'm, I'm feeling things. You're feeling things. It's yeah. just uh, it's just a thing, and it's crazy. All those who have been out there, we. Yeah, yeah, it's uh. You, I mean, not whatever, right? We were going to watch The Office anyways, but it's because of the list. We kept recording the show yeah. through through all of our scheduling issues and stuff and months or two months off accidentally. Late releases, poor audio quality, bad editing, terrible experts, quote unquote, because we forget things all the time. I'm pretty sure we've called Michael Sure Ken Sure a thousand times, um, you know, which is crazy because like we should just remember Mike Sure because Sure is the brand of a microphone. First time I'm thinking about that. Word association, sugar booth, boom. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so it's, 
it's crazy that the show's hard. It's tough, but very thank you. Very big thanks to everybody who's listened, tuned in, rated us, and all that stuff. Well, and I uh, say we see you next time. But next time, but but I'm gonna say stay subscribed to this channel because if when Jacob and I are ready and we come back with something that you need to hear, it's gonna be here for you. Yeah, we'll at least put the first episode of the new show on this ours. Yeah, so we can tell you what- right. Spoiler alert, it's not an NCIS podcast where we do one episode of every NCIS out there per episode. It's not that. I know a lot of people have requested Parks and Rec next. I know, it seems like the obvious one. Part of me feels like we should do bonus episodes sometime after the holidays with the British office. Could do that. You know, part of me also thinks we should become a true crime podcast (laughs) and really solve who the Scranton Strangler is. Yeah, the good place should be done. In, I mean, it's ending this year or twenty twenty. Yeah. Well, we yep. back. Nope, nope. I mean, I would really like to go into something serious, you know. Oh, like, good, good place gets. No, let's do let's do a podcast about Ninja Warrior and Ninja Warrior news. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's it. Get ready, twenty twenty one. Well, as I like to call it, you know, you know, it's American Ninja Warrior, or as I like to call it, America Ninja Upper Body Strength, because that's really what all you gotta have is upper body strength. <laughs> It's true. You don't have to do any ninja work. It's crazy. It's more it's more uh ninja grip strength. Yeah, yeah. Ninja who masturbated the most war. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the next thing, whatever that may be. I will be there for you. Will you remember me? Whatever that song. Thanks a lot, guys. It Thank was, you. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate y'all being the last three and a half years. Yep. Peace.